Judges chapter 16 and verse 3. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city. Notice this, and the two gate posts. And he pulled them up, bar and all. And he put them on his shoulders and he carried them up to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about gates, about gates. In the Bible, the Bible in Acts 4 talks about a miracle that happened at a place called, uh, a gate called beautiful. There's something about gates that God loves. It's called beautiful because it's indicative of the way God views gates. God has a fondness for gates. In Psalms 87 in verse 2, he said, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. His favorite part of the temple, his favorite part was the gates. The gates have a special place in God's heart. More than he loves the foundations of Zion or the church or the temple, he loved his favorite part was the gate. There's a difference between a wall and a gate. A wall shut pe shuts people out, but a gate lets people in. And God says, because a gate has a hinge that swings both ways, people can enter and people can exit in my presence if they want to. I love that. In other words, the hinge is an illustration and the gate is an illustration of divine choice. God likes the fact and has a fondness and loves the idea that someone can choose to worship him, that someone can choose to come into his presence, that someone can choose to serve him. He doesn't want a robot. He doesn't want the just created angels that do nothing day and night. They're programmed to worship. But he loves the fact that we can have a choice to serve him and live for him and honor him or not live for him and honor him. Choose this day who you will serve, the Bible declares. And Joshua said in one place, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God loves the gates of choice. When God created man from dust and he breathed breath into the nostrils of man, he put Adam and Eve in a garden. Think about this. And he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in that garden. And he said, now, I don't want you to eat of that fruit. And if he didn't want them to eat of that fruit, why didn't he put barbed wire fence around it? Why didn't he put it in a desert somewhere? Why didn't he put it on the other end of the earth? Why did he put it in the garden where they were? Because he wanted them to choose if they would obey him or not. I love that about God. Because God loves choice. God says, I'm not, I, I just don't want people worshiping me out of decree, out of legalism, out of fear of going to hell. But I love it when people love me and they choose to worship me. I want to congratulate all of you who are here and all of you who are watching online and all of you at all of our campuses 
because you did something this morning that you don't realize you chose to come to the house of God. You chose to honor him. You made a decision. You could have been anywhere you wanted to be today, but here you sit in God's house singing praises and listening to his word, and there's something powerful. God says the angels are obligated to worship me, but I made you, and even when we've got problems, I choose to worship. I want to declare today that I choose to be here. I'm not here because I have to be here. I'm not here because somebody makes me do it. But I choose to lift my hands, not just when things are good, but when I'm going through trials and when I'm going through hard times. I've buried people that I loved and I chose to worship God. I've had things happen that I don't understand and I can't explain. And it looks like God should have done something. He should have intervened, but he didn't. And I still choose to honor and serve him, even when I don't understand him. Oh, that brings joy to our Father. As a matter of fact, why don't we just make a choice and take a praise break and give God glory? You don't have to. You can sit there if you want to, but he deserves the praise and he deserves the glory. You couldn't even catch your next breath if he didn't give it to you. There's an amazing story in Numbers chapter 35. God spoke to Moses and he said, I want you to set up these cities that I want you to call cities of refuge. And here's the principle of the six cities of refuge. It's a place where people can rush through the gate of decision. It's a place where you see in the Old Testament, it was eye for an eye. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was, if you hurt someone in my family, I had legal right under the law of Moses to do the same to you. And there's a, even a story in the Old Testament, and it tells about how that if someone's swinging an axe and the axe head accidentally went off and hit someone in the head around, that there was something known as the blood avenger. And let's say that you, that you killed by accident, you killed someone, and there was a blood avenger. You had right as blood kin to follow that person and find that person and kill the person who killed your relative. And so God told Moses to build six cities and strategically place them all over the nation of Israel so that if someone got in trouble, if someone was being pursued by a blood avenger, if someone had something in their past and judgment was coming to get them for something that they had done, if they could just run fast enough to get to the city of refuge, there were gates on the city of refuge. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Every night they would lay down and they would wonder, is this the night when the blood avenger in my past is going to catch up with me and cut my throat while I sleep? Can you imagine that if they couldn't find the person, they could go to one of his children and kill them? This was how the Old Testament was, the laws of the Old Covenant. It was, it was an eye for an eye. It was a tooth for a tooth. It was a life for a life. And can you imagine the fear for the whole family? But if somehow that man who had done something and was condemned and to death and judgment was coming after him and seeking him and hunting him, if he could run fast enough and get through the gates of the city of refuge, he could find 
a place of safety. It was there if he entered in to that place that he was protected. He was there in comfort and protection and safety. You see, it reminds me of Psalms 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength. And when that man would run and maybe the blood avenger was close on his trail, coming fast with the sword of justice, but the moment that he made the decision to bust through those gates and enter in, the gates would close behind him and the avenger of blood could only come so far and he would stop at those gates and he would have to say, he's safe, he made it into the city of refuge. I want to preach today that when you come into Christ, when you come into Jesus, when you come in by his wounded side, when the past and the condemnation and the judgment of what you've done in the past is trying to come and, and make you pay the price that you deserve to pay, God says, enter into Christ, enter into church, enter into the kingdom of God, and I can shut the gates, and I can pronounce you clean, and I can pronounce you protected, and I can announce you safe, and I can announce you blessed. When you come in, hear, those, hear the, the, the trampling of feet of the avenger of blood, and he cannot touch me. He cannot harm me. He cannot hold me to what I did when I was out there. Now that I'm in Christ, I am forgiven. I am protected. I am shielded. I am guarded. What must it have felt like when he entered in, not looking over his shoulder, not wondering if he was going to die and face judgment? But there is a powerful thing that happens when you, when you give your life to Jesus. The sins of the past are held at bay. But there was one disadvantage to the city of refuge. And it was this. It still had a gate. And that gate swung open both ways. And by the same gate of choice that a person made to enter into Christ. A person can exit by choice if they choose. If they chose to enter the city of refuge as a type of Christ, they could choose to go back to what they were running from. How many times I've watched people run into the city of refuge, run into the forgiving arms of Christ, run into the church, when their marriage was in trouble, when an addiction was about to destroy their life, when something was about to crush them and destroy them and judgment was coming after them, but they ran into the arms of Jesus and he wrapped his protection and blessing and grace and mercy and gave them not what they deserved, but gave them grace. But I've also watched them as they have a tendency sometimes to not just you know, you were safe as long as you stayed in the city of refuge. There's actually a story in 2 Samuel chapter 3 about a man by the name of Abner. And the Bible said he died as a fool dies. Why? Because he did the very thing I was preaching. He killed a man's brother. And the man's brother was a man named Joab. 
He was the commander of the armies of Israel. He was a killer. And he was chasing this man named Abner. And Abner ran. And as he was just about to kill him, he ran through the gate of the city of refuge. And Abner was free. And Joab sat outside the gate. And he was so furious. But Joab said, I'm just going to wait here. I'm just going to stay here. If you read the story in 2 Samuel 3, it said he would go up to the gate and he would call every so often and say, Abner, we used to be friends. It's okay. I've let the past go. Come on out and say hello. It's like your past calling you back. Come on back. Come on back. That's how the enemy does. Oh, it's not so bad. You can handle it. I know it almost killed you. I know it almost destroyed you, but come on back to it. The Bible said when a person enters into Christ and God sets you free from, from, from alcoholism and all the things that Satan wants to use to destroy you, you know what the Bible said? It said if you go back to it, this is a Bible verse. It said it's like a dog going back to his vomit. And can you see Joab as he would come up to the gate and he would say, come on, come on, come on. I miss you. We're having a party. Come on, come on, come on. And you know what? One day, Abner, as long as he stayed in the city of refuge, he was safe. But something happened to him. And the Bible said he had to stay there until the high priest died. And if, and if the high priest died, he and his family could leave and nobody could touch him. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus was our high priest at Calvary. But when you enter into that, here's the thing. Abner, the Bible said one day, listen to Joab. And as soon as he stepped through the gate and started going back to what God had delivered him from, the scripture said that Joab slew him and the... And the, and the summary of his life was he died as a fool dies. What I'm preaching to you today is you better stay in the house of God. You better stay in the presence of God. You better stay around people who love the city of God. You better make sure that you don't go back to what God has set you free from. You cannot offend me enough to make me leave this church. You cannot gossip about me enough. You cannot talk about me and make me feel bad. Nobody can offend me. I'll come right down here and I'll throw my hands up and I'll worship him. I'm never going to leave God's house. I'm not leaving. I'm not backsliding. I'm not going back to the man I used to be. Hallelujah. I have made up my mind I'm going to live free. I have made up my mind I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have his grace and his goodness because he takes good care of me. How many of you know what I'm preaching about? Anything beyond your walk with God is beyond the borders of his protection. And I'm not going to stay out there alone. I'm coming back. The Bible said that the angels of the Lord encamp round about with protection to them who fear him. Not everybody has angelic guardians. It's to those who fear him. He surrounds you like a city of refuge. 
and your children when they go into the schools and their minds and their hearts and their bodies. There's no, but when you begin to go back, when you begin to get involved in things, and what happens is people start running back and forth, back and forth. That's no life. There's no joy in that. Yes, God will always forgive you, but there's a greater place that you can get where he can set you so free from some things, you don't ever have to go back to it. You don't ever have to pick it up again. You don't ever have to be that man or that woman again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away. The old life passes away. And behold, all things become new. Don't go out of the city. There's no guaranteed protection beyond the border of his will. And I mean with the kind of things that this generation is dealing with, when four out of every ten Peels that are out there in parties are laced with fentanyl. You just don't know how hell plans and plots. And the greatest thing you can do is some situations you just never need to ever go back to. Just a few dates with the wrong boy, the wrong girl, out of the will of God. Just a few parties out of the will of God. Just a few websites out of the will of God. Turn to somebody and say, stay in the city. There's an avenger who's watching you. His name is Satan and he's watching you. He's like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And he'll, he'll entreat you and he'll come to the gate and he'll whisper, we miss you. You miss it. Come on, come on, come on back. And I'm here today preaching boldly that, that, that Satan's not going to have this generation. I just believe that there's power in anointing and laying our hands and a generation's going to arise that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves gates. That's why the Bible said that he put a gate in front of hell. The Bible said in Mark 16, the gates of hell, hell has gates. The gates of hell shall not prevail. What does that mean? That means that if you go to hell, God didn't send you there. You chose to go there. Nobody goes to hell because their sin is too bad that the blood of Jesus can't forgive. Your pride was too great that you would not humble yourself and bow your knee and confess him as Lord. And the Bible said that heaven has gates. He carried me away to the holy city, New Jerusalem, and I saw 12 gates around that city. If you want to go to heaven, you've got a choice. You are choosing. Choose today to go to heaven or you're choosing to go to hell. And if you stay neutral, you have made your choice. There is no neutrality with Jesus Christ. You either serve him and you love him or you miss it. Hell has gates, heaven has gates, and it's your decision which one you go to. And by the way, it's not just you, but you're, you're going to lead others with you to one of those two eternal destinations. His presence has gates. Did you know that just because you come to church, you don't get into God's presence? 
The Bible said, enter into his courts with praise and enter his gates with thanksgiving. In other words, he's, he's hemmed off his real great presence from people who just come to church and sit. But boy, when you begin to worship him, you say, well, I got so many sins in my life. I don't know if I'd feel like a hypocrite if I raised my hands. Well, let me tell you, there was a man in the Bible, Mark chapter five, that had 6,000 demons. I don't think any of you got 6,000. Turn to somebody and say, you might not have two or three. I've seen one manifest this week. Come on, tell, tell them, tell them. You, 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 you may have, but the Bible said he had, he had legion, 6,000 demons, and all he did was fall at the feet of Jesus and started worshiping, and Jesus sent all the demons out of him. I don't care how messed up you are. If you'll throw a hand up and say, Jesus, I worship you, he'll open up the gate to freedom. He'll open up the gate to a new life and a new beginning. Everybody take a moment and praise God in this house. At every campus, praise God in this house. It's your choice. But I'm telling you, he's alive. You can sit there and you can die and go to hell or you can say, I choose Jesus. This world's gone crazy. And if ever we needed to pray over our children, I mean, we're not just fighting like in the Old Testament. They were fighting the Hittites and the Moabites and the, and the Amorites. We're fighting the Bud Lights. We, 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 my God, our children are going into... I was thinking about my grandchildren out in California. Of course, I've got some here, but they're in our Christian schools. Amen. Thank God for free chapel, preschool. Amen. But... But I was thinking, I was thinking about my two children out in California and how messed up and how they're bringing drag queens in to read nursery stories to children in libraries. And I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what in, in the world? They're, they're actually teaching that there's more than two sexes. If you don't, if you're confused about your sex, go to the bathroom and look down and you'll figure it out. It's, it's not that he only made two. He only made two. But I tell you, I know it's dark. I know this nation and what we've been seeing in, in every area of this nation, it feels like we're in the craziest time we've ever been. But I'm so glad my children are in a city of refuge and that we're in the church. And he said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I want some parent. I want some mom, some dad, some granddaddy who still believes there's power in the blood of Jesus. Even on your family, he can keep them on a college campus. He can keep them when everybody else is doing it. They don't have to do it. Come on, praise him. The Lord is in this place. Praise him. We, we had a board meeting this week for the church, and we, uh, we had to, uh, our attorney told us uh, that we were ripe for a lawsuit. And, and, and we said, why? And they said, because if you don't get in the bylaws of your ministry that is part of your faith, 
that you have only male and female on the bathrooms, you could be sued. So we all voted unanimously that there's only going to be two bathrooms at all of our campuses, male and female. And I'm not mad at you. If you're here and you're, and you're, we love you, but we can't help you if we lie to you. I'm telling you today, this book is the truth. This book is the truth. And you shall know the truth. You won't want to kill yourself. You shall know the truth. And you won't get, want to get drunk every night. And you shall know the truth. And you'll live with purpose and meaning and destiny. And bless God, we ain't going to have any kitty boxes in the bathrooms either. Up in North Georgia, I saw where a school put a kitty box because some kids think that they're kittens. Kitty litter. And adults go along with it. But I also see signs of revival. I also see people saying enough is enough. I also people get seeing people not in an angry way, but in a way falling to their knees and saying, God help us. As a matter of fact, I read something this week that blessed my socks off. You know what I read? I read about Coach Kennedy. Do y'all remember Coach Kennedy? He was a high school coach. And you know what? He would go out after every game that they won and he would kneel down on the 50 yard line on his own time with about his own. He didn't do, take a microphone, just get down on his knee and bow his head and give God the glory. And they, the woke board of education said, you're fired. We're taking your salary. He went without a salary for over a year for bowing his knee in public, and other football players on his team would follow. But the Supreme Court last week said they were wrong, you are right, and you have a right to bow your knee. And so September the 1st, he's going back to his old job. And he said, I'm going to have bow the knee day across the nation. I believe that there are young men and young women who are ready to say, I bow my knee to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords, and I'm not confused. I'm not confused. Glory. Hallelujah. Don't get mad. Don't get offended. This is just, this is just Bible preaching. And I'm going to tell you, those of you in the church, you better stay in the church. You better quit dabbling with crazy stuff. You better quit running. You can't, you can't be going back and forth on stuff if the Bible's rock solid on it. I'm almost done. Goliath was God's enemy. But you know what qualified David to fight Goliath? The fact that he had already fought a lion and a bear. Goliath was God's enemy, but the lion and the bear was David's enemy. You've got to get victory over your personal enemies before you can fight 
the national enemies. And the reason that the church, it's the church's fault we're losing our morals. It's the church's fault that we're losing our cities. It's the church's fault because the church needs to slay their personal lions and bears in their private lives. And then God will start giving us national victories over the Goliaths. And in a moment when these young people and children walk through, there'll be young people who are trying to decide, am I going to live right this year? Am I going to live holy this year? Am I going to listen to the world or am I going to stay in church? They'll be going off to college and we're going to lay hands on them and we're going to anoint them with oil. And I like and I close with this. The reason I started with Samson is I like what happened to Samson. The spirit of the Lord came on him. And he ran down and grabbed the gates of Gaza and he ripped them up from the ground. What was he saying? He was saying, I choose to follow the Lord. And from this day forward, I'm removing the gates. I'm never going back. Some gates, the same gate that will let you in will let you exit. But I won't. I'm believing for a generation of Samsons. Of young men and young women who will say, I'm removing the option. I'm going to live for Christ wherever I go, whoever I'm around, whatever I do, whatever I go, I will never be ashamed of His love and His grace and His person in me. I want a generation of Samsons. I'm believing as we lay hands on them that they will say, I will never leave the kingdom of God again. The city of refuge, Jesus. I won't do it. I'm never going back to the things God set me free. I want everybody in this room to say, I'm never going back. Make it a bold declaration over every addiction. I'm never going back. Make it a bold declaration over the old you. I'm never going back. I made a decision. Whatever it is that gives you entrance back into the world of sin, rip it up. Rip up the gates and say, I'm never going back. If it's the music you're listening to, remove that gate. If it's websites, remove that gate. If it's deceit, sexual sin, peer pressure, crowds that you're running with, Remove that gate and watch what God will do. You have to surrender. You have to take, this isn't a religion. This is a relationship with Jesus. And you have to take up your cross, but it's a joyful, powerful thing because God begins to order your steps. If it's drugs, if it's alcoholism, if it's gambling, it's destroying, it almost destroyed you, but you, and now you're starting to go back to it. You can't handle it. It'll take everything good from your life. Rip the gates up. 
enter into Christ and His goodness and His forgiveness and His grace. Grace is the ability to climb out. Grace is the ability to climb out. When God came to Peter in prison, the Bible said that, that the prison door busts wide open. But then he had to get up. He stood up and he walked out. I'm here preaching this morning. The prison house of addiction that has held you. Grace has busted the door wide open. All you've got to do is get up and walk out and enter in to the city of refuge. His name is Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? This is a sacred moment right now. Sense it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask you, no one leaving, please. Just stand to your feet just as quick as you can. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Every campus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'd say, Pastor Jensen, pray for me this morning. I'm far from God. But I'm running into the city of refuge. I'm ready for forgiveness. I'm ready for safety. I want to sleep and know it is well with my soul. I want to know that the past cannot destroy me anymore. I'm forgiven. Pray for me. If that's you, listen, when I came to Jesus, I came for three reasons. I needed a friend. I needed forgiveness. Here, this is a big one. And I needed a future. If you're afraid of your future, if it's so uncertain, you need Jesus. I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans of good and not evil. But it's predicated upon you entering into the city, Christ, through the wound in his side. Enter in. Enter in. Pastor, pray for me today. He never comes where he's not invited. He's a gentleman. He'll never force himself on you. But anywhere you invite him, Jesus will come. Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God today. If that's you, hold your hand up just as high as you can hold it. Unashamed, unashamed. Hands all over this room. Amazing. At every campus, raise them high and unashamed. High and unashamed. Keep your hand up. This is precious to me. This is powerful to me. If you're around anyone whose hand is extended, gently lay your hand on their shoulder. Just gently as an act of support, lay your hand on their shoulder. So many hands. And let's pray this prayer together. Everybody pray it boldly, out loud. Why do we do this? Because the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead, you shall be forgiven and saved. Pray this prayer out loud. Lord Jesus, I'm removing the gate. I choose you. I choose to honor you. I choose to acknowledge you in all of my ways, all of my decisions. I choose to serve you. I want to glorify you with my body. I want my body to be your temple. I want you to dwell in me. I want to be a city of refuge that you live in. And I receive today grace, the power to climb out, 
the power to get up and walk out of the busted jail cell. Hell's held me in too long. In Jesus' name, through His blood and His resurrection, I am free. Now give the Lord a great and mighty praise. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.